Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, you can have a seat. Uh, Good morning. Uh, My name is Jacob Smith. I'm the college pastor here at our Grace Anderson. And man, we are just so excited to have you with us. I know uh, that there are a number of parents who have joined us this morning. Uh, It is family weekend after all. And man, we are just, we're so grateful that you've joined us, that you're with us. We hope that we have a chance to connect with you. If if you have time after the service, if you're not just hitting the road immediately, we would love to talk with you. Please find a leader, find me. I would love to connect with you and you can embarrass your child right there in front of me. It's my favorite thing of, of all. Uh, it's already happened a lot of times from the first service. So I love it. Uh, but you should come, introduce yourself, and bring your child and tell me something weird about them. I realized uh, even after the first service, we were joined by a college mascot. The dad, he was, a, he was the mascot for his college. So any tidbits like that, bring it. I'm ready. All right. So, uh, man, we are, just, we are grateful to be here with you guys. Uh, thankful to worship alongside of you this morning. And we're so excited. I'm excited that you can join us as basically we're, we've just been moving into this new season as a church. Normally, we kind of, we go through our own kind of themes and ideas and passages in our college ministry on Sunday mornings. But, but this month of April, actually, we have, we've decided as a church body, as a whole, across all services, across all three campuses that we have here locally, we are all focused on the same idea, the same scripture, the same purpose, this idea of every need. This idea that we are ultimately people called to worship. That, that's what we're looking at over this month. We're looking at this idea of worship as at this idea, this calling that we have in our lives as believers to worship our God while we wait for that day, that beautiful day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the day that we look forward to as believers. That, that's the hope that we have in our future, that our life will extend beyond this existence. And when we look to that day, as we wait that moment, Right? We worship our God. We, we ascribe worth to him. We declare how worthy he is of our lives, of our praise, of our thoughts, of our speech, and of our actions. And while we wait in that worship, the reality is that we live in a world that is always inviting us and asking us to invest our lives, our thoughts, our attention, our affections, and our desires in the world itself. We are always being invited by this world at large to place our hope in the things that it can offer. And yet what we find is as we put our investment and our hope in these things, in the here and now for our own personal gain, we will find ourselves feeling the same way that these children feel who are trying dark chocolate for the very first time in their lives. Splendid. Splendid. An Israeli chocolate. It probably is delicious. It probably is splendid. Uh, but the reality is that, man, if that's your first introduction, if you're expecting one thing and you get another, there's not the return on the investment that those children were anticipating, right? In other words, our world can be disappointing. We've all had dark chocolate in our lives. Uh, some of us, it, that's okay, right? We like dark chocolate. But the disappointment that follows is not that great. Like we are frustrated when we put time and energy, invest our our energy or our resources into something, expecting a certain return, expecting a certain gain, and yet it just results in loss. And that's that's tragic, right? That, that, that destroys us. We maybe came to college and we moved in this apartment this year or this home this year, and we put down that security deposit. And we said, you know what? This is an investment in my future. And I'm a responsible adult. 
and I'm going to get that security deposit back. We were so confident in August, weren't we? Just think back on how confident and maybe naive you were, because maybe, maybe you did do a good job of keeping the walls clean, and you didn't, you know, jackhammer the floor. That's great, right? But maybe you had that roommate who decided to use, like, railroad spikes to hang his posters of Reveille. Like, you just... You had those mistakes happen in your home. The deposit is gone, right? It's gone. And your parents are more sad about that than you. But it's, it's gone, right? Or, or maybe there was a time in college where you began to invest time and resources into a person, into a relationship. And you began to go on dates, maybe. And you were seeing what happened, right? You're kind of fostering this relationship, time, energy, thought, money. And, and as you're spending time with this person, this relationship's starting to grow. You reach that point, though, where you realize, wait, they're not. They're not going to name their first child Reveille, regardless of gender. Like, it's over, right? Like, that's, that's, the, that's the end point for that relationship. It's just, that's just wisdom, right? Like, and you realize, you look back, you're like, man, I didn't get the return on that investment that I was expecting, right? I'm a little disappointed on my loss rather than gain. And we've invested time and energy into projects for school or for work or for organizations. And suddenly we don't get that grade that we wanted. We don't get that recognition that we wanted. We invested our time into an organization. And we thought, man, this is going to hopefully meet the needs that I have, or it's going to build my network for a future career. And it just doesn't. It doesn't meet those needs we wanted it to meet. It doesn't build that network we thought it would build. We, we put our time and our energy and our resources in, in, into this job application or, or into this internship or whatever it might be. And, and we look ahead and we say, man, this is going to pay out dividends. It's going to be so great. And yet we get to that moment. We get to that point. We cross that threshold and there's no gain. There's no return on that investment. And we're just left confused and disappointed. And when we look in Scripture, we see this truth laid bare. We see this kind of laid out for us. We see the fact that, man, our world, it's, it's going to ask for investment. It's going to ask for hope. And yet, when we enter into that as our ultimate focus, when we really just run after our own personal gain in the here and now, man, it's just going to lead to confusion and loss. And yet, what's beautiful is that in our Scripture, it doesn't just point out the tragedy of that loss. It also points us to a better way. Our God points us to a better path. Jesus Christ is going to offer to us this morning a better investment opportunity. One that doesn't lead to confusion or loss, but instead brings clarity and life, eternal life. We see this laid out by Jesus Christ to his followers in Luke chapter 12. You see, when Jesus is looking at these, these crowd of people that are following him, they're, they're listening to him, they're kind of trying to do what he says to do, and they're kind of hearing what he has to say. He says, well, look, I, I, this is what I want for you. He says, you need to watch out and guard yourself from all types of greed. Why? Because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He says, your life should not be focused entirely on personal selfish gain in the here and now. He says, do not let your life be identified by the possessions that you have. Don't let that be your defining characteristic about what you accumulate for yourself. Don't let that greed drive you. And he makes this point, but he knows he needs to go further. He can't just say it and trust that people listen. Instead, he's going to say it and he's going to illustrate it with a story. He's going to deliver a parable, this fictional story, this fictional tale that basically kind of expands the point that he's making. He says, imagine there was this land of a certain rich man and it produced an abundant crop. 
And so the man thought to himself, wow, what should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. The man is faced with this great problem. He has an abundance. He has a surplus. And so the man is looking at his possessions. He's looking at his assets. He's like, whoa, what do I do with it? Right? It's a good problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. And I think Jesus Christ is starting off with this first kind of idea, this first point, this first kind of tidbit of truth that, man, the reality is that if we're looking at investments here and now, there's always going to be some level of uncertainty. There's always going to be some level of confusion. Because if we're looking at, at what I need to do with this investment or, or this asset or how do I put these things, how do I move this money to that market or this thing or that bond or this whatever, and as we're trying to kind of make those things and arrange our schedules and distribute our wealth accordingly, he says, man, there's always going to be a level of confusion and uncertainty. Why? Because we don't know the future, right? We, we can have great, great plans, but they don't always play out the way we expect them to. Something that I think is best illustrated uh, by this incredible, wonderful gift given to us by Bob Barker, now Drew Carey, known as Plinko. All right, so uh, I have, uh, I've, I've been told, all right, so this Plinko is going to be moving up to the stage through some of my Plinko pals. Uh, they're moving around the room. Uh, and, uh, but I also will need some help. And I was told before the service that there is, in fact, a family here, or uh, some parents here, that came in all the way from Washington, D.C., which is pretty impressive. Is that true? Where are you? No one pointed you out. So I guess you can also just hide. You're hiding. Ah, oh, there you are. Okay, gotcha. Excellent. All right, so... Did anyone come further? Did anyone travel further for their pride and joy, their, their baby boy, their precious baby girl? Anyone have more love than D.C. <laughs> to come here? No? Nope? All right, that's it. All right, you guys win. All right, most dedicated parent award goes here. All right, so if you would, if you're willing, I would love for you to join me on stage with your child. That would be really great. And yes, we're all excited for it because this is it. This is the moment. Little did you know, this is what your travels were leading you towards. But Jesus gave a parable, and he knew thousands of years later that we would use Plinko uh, to further expand his story. Okay, so here's the, here's the way it works. Uh, so for those of you that have never experienced the joys, the wonders of Plinko, uh, essentially, uh, it's a game where you have an object. In this case, uh, we have ping pong balls uh, that you are going to uh, toss into this uh, top receptacle. It's going to bounce down, and you're going to win points, okay? So uh, use our, we're going to use our sand cam to show. Uh, there, is, there are numbers at the bottom. I kept it simple for, you know, Aggie arithmetic. One through five, right? So zero through five. <laughs> zero through five. We can all keep track of that. Uh, the, it's going to be generation against generation. So you need to tell us all. So first decide, do you both want to throw or just one of you want to throw? Okay, he, you trust him. You trust him. All right, all right, well. All right, so declare for everyone your name. Peter. Peter. Here are your Plinko balls. And declare for everyone your name. Sam. Sam. I think they're slightly more excited about your dad. All right, so here's what's going to happen. One of you gets to go first. You can decide between the two of you, but you're going to take turns. Okay, okay, Peter is up. So Peter is going to toss one at a time these balls, and we're going to count up your points. Sand Cam is going to keep track. All right, here we go. Oh. Oh. Give it a little shake. Give it a little shimmy. There we go. There we go. Follow Sand Cam. Oh. Oh, no. Wait, hold on. Nope. 
two. All right, all right. Good job, Peter. Thanks for working out the kinks. Uh, okay. There we go. All right. Whenever you're ready. A lot smoother. Less smooth. Oh, nope. All right. It's bad. Oh, my gosh. This is way worse than I ever anticipated. Okay. Here we go. Uh, one. All right. Okay, Peter, last shot. Third time's a charm. It will work, I promise. There we go. I like it. I like it. Two. All right. So, uh, we just, Peter just got two, one, two. We're going to use our Aggie math and we're going to put that together into five. All right. Well, close, Connor. All right. So, (laughs) five points for Peter. Ken, his son. Ken, the, the next someday alpha male, uh, take over the pride. Beat five points. You got this, Sam. All right, Sam. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> got to start somewhere. Yep, I like it. I like it. Oh, two. Two, 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 two. Okay, Sam. Here we go. Oh! All right. So you've already vanquished your father. The question is, do you want to throw the third ball just to rub it in his face a little bit more? <laughs> That's a good dad. He's like, yes, son. Oh, but your heart wouldn't let you. Uh, you knew deep down. Okay, here we go. Seven points. You're getting a, this is a record. I think last time they maxed out at like four. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to drop it. There we go. All right. We are frozen in time on the screen, so... Oh, one. All right, great. Eight points. Okay, well, we're all so excited. Any, so as the, our victor, as our resident victorious plinkoer, uh, any words of wisdom for, for all of us? Gig'em. Wow. All right, that's good. All right, thank you so much. We appreciate their time and their travel and their plinko. All right, stay for a second. All right, so here's the thing. That was beautifully illustrated. Uh, sorry about uh, some of the execution, but it's okay. We're through it. We're stronger. We're better, faster. All right, then now we know. But here's the thing. You know, when we look at our lives, when we look at our futures, really, we assume, right, we think, well, hey, you know, like, I've, I've got these plans, I've, I've got this, you know, investment portfolio, I've been trained, I'm a finance major, right, like, I know, I know to use mutual funds if I want a low-risk venture, and so we think, you know, I've got this great plan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, lit it, I'm just going to be in right, just the right spot, oh my gosh, and then the netting catches it, all right, let's just roll with that, all right, that's good. But we think we know where it goes, but the reality is, I mean, we, there are things outside of our control. We think, you know, I have this job lined up, I have this career, I have these plans, I have this degree, and, and we think, you know, I, I have everything in place, and man, I'm just going to, I know I'm headed right for that one box, and yet life takes a turn. We get sick. Something happens. A person fails us. A, a job goes away. A business shuts down. Every single one of these balls, we could label as your investment portfolio or your job career. We could list this as the relationship you're going to have, the person you think you're going to marry. And the reality is that every single time, you never really know where it's going to wind up because life happens. Things are uncertain. You can take it away. Plinko. Thank you. Uh, But the reality is that every single time that we think we know where we're headed, every single time we think we've got the best laid plans, the best idea and strategy, man, it doesn't necessarily work out the way we think it will. That's why there's always room for uncertainty. There's always room for confusion and anxiety when it comes to investments in the here and now. I just took my children uh, this past week to Toys R Us. And my daughter, Charlotte, and my son, Lawrence, man, they, they had a blast. They love Toys R Us. They're like, this place, this place could never fail, Right? 
in their mind, they're like, this, this is an eternal, like, heaven on earth. Like, this will never go away. And that's what I thought as a child. I didn't have the heart to tell them until the end, like, hey, listen, we're probably never going to come back here ever again. Right? Like, I, and Lawrence thought it was hilarious because he's dark like that. But, you know, they, <laughs> they think, I thought, man, this is a wondrous environment. No, this place could never fail. And yet there are people who are losing jobs. There are people who are losing investments. There are people who have sacrificed in their lives and in their relationships for that corporation, and it's all going away. There are things in this world that we think are sure bets, that we think are, man, this is, this is a hope that will never fail me. This is an investment that's always worth making. And yet we put our money, we put our time, we put our energy into that, into that company. And then the, the, the leader of that company gets called to the Senate and he gets questioned about like, you know, privacy things. And then everyone makes fun of him because they say he looks like a robot. And, you know, and then your stock price plummets. Like that just, it happens. And suddenly money and wealth that you've accumulated, it just goes away. Suddenly we find ourselves maybe like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I trust in this property. I have assets, right? Land is land, house is a house, right? There are these sure things. And, and yet if you're like me, over the, a couple of weeks ago, there was a hailstorm came through College Station. And man, where my wife and I live, where my family lives, we got slammed. Our roof and my car got totaled, like just because of falling ice balls. Like that just, it just happens. Ice can fall and destroy your roof. Like it just happens. That's the world we live in. And I will tell you, man, your parents can attest to this fact because they've walked down life a little bit further than you have. Some of us even are, even, even in just our college years, we are hyper aware of the fact that this world will fail us, that the sure things are never really that sure, that really the only thing we can know for certain about this world is that it's ultimately going to end. That's the only guarantee you have but this world will end. That's why when Jesus looks at these people, he looks at these followers, he's talking about investment. He's talking about time and resources. He says, man, don't put it in the here and now. Let me illustrate with this guy who had so much wealth. He had to build a bigger barn, but you know what happens? He says, you know what? I've got to tear down my old barns. I've got to build this bigger barn and I'm going to store all my grain, all my goods there. And I'm going to say to myself, I've got plenty of goods stored up for many years. I'm going to relax. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to celebrate. He says, man, I'm going to just keep all these. I'm going to hoard this wealth. I'm going to bring it all in so that I can just sit down and enjoy it in my golden years. And yet that same day in that very moment, that very evening, God says to the man, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded back from you. But who will get what you've prepared for yourself? He says, man, ultimately, you're not, what, what good does this do you moving forward? Your life is ending now. So what of that wealth? What of those barns? So Jesus looks at his followers. He says, man, so it is with the one who stores up riches for himself and is not rich towards God. Another way to translate that would be someone who stores up riches for himself and does not invest, does not build up those riches for the sake of the Lord. He says, man, if you're investing in the here and now, it's an investment that's always going to lead not only to confusion, but to loss. This is a temporary place. And investing it all, making this your focus, this your goal, it's, it's foolish. It's foolish. If you get on an airplane, you know, hey, I'm getting off of this airplane in a couple hours. And if you, you know, in a short amount of time, I'm, I'm getting back off. That's why when we get on airplanes, generally, we, you know, we bring like a, a movie, a book, like a thing to do. 
And yet there's some people that we notice in our lives that, no, when they get on an airplane, they have a kind of a different mindset. They say, hey, I'm in this thing for the long haul. I'm going to like take my shoes out, air things out. I'm going to cover my mask because I know it's stanky, right? I'm just going to, I'm going to prepare myself for the long haul. I'm going to get really comfortable. And I'm just going to, I'm going to plant some roots, right? I'm going to get comfy. This is where I'm going to be. I'm going to bring my turkey, right? Of course I'm going to bring my turkey because this is where I live now. This is my farm. You're welcome, United Airlines, you know, whatever. Like, this is a, this is, there's something wrong, right? There's something so right about seeing a turkey on a plane, I think, because they don't get to fly that much. But, (laughs) but there's something so wrong in watching someone take this temporary space and try to set it up for longevity. And Jesus is looking at his followers and says, don't make that mistake with this world. Do not put your time, do not put your all in all into investing in the here and now. Now, we should be responsible with what we've been given. We should be good stewards of our, our money and our time and our efforts. I mean, scripture speaks to that all the time uh, of being wise, being discerning, being responsible. Proverbs tells over and over again, invest your money in particular. It says, you know, take, take care of the, and the surplus that you prepare of the times that are wanting. Joseph, in scripture, he rose to prominence because he was an excellent investor. That's what brought him to the attention of the Pharaoh. And he took over, second in command over all of Egypt because he was an excellent money man. But Jesus is saying, don't make that your end all be all. Do not see your 401k, your Roth IRA, do not see that investment portfolio as the ultimate goal of your existence. Because ultimately, it's fleeting. It simply doesn't last. There's this Carl Sagan quote about a photo of Earth taken from Voyager on its way out to deep space that echoes the sentiments of Kohelet, the teacher, in the ancient wisdom book called Ecclesiastes. Here's the quote. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. It's the reality of our existence. It's this temporary nature of our, of our world, of our reality. And God's looking at us as his people, as his followers. He says, don't be foolish. Don't give all you have and all you are to something that's just going to fade away. Don't make that mistake. That's why when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Matthew 6, in kind of this parallel passage, we see him making the point, giving the command, giving the, the, the wisdom, hey, you shouldn't accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. It says instead... 
in, accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven. Right? Where moth, rust, they won't destroy you. Where thieves don't break in. He says, don't invest in the here now. Invest, invest in something that lasts and something that's eternal. He says, there's a better treasure. And he cares about this treasure. He cares about this investment. Not because he, he simply wants us to, to, to find satisfaction and joy. I mean, that's part of it. But, but he knows that ultimately where our treasure is, that's where our hearts go. He says the treasure, the location of your treasure, the direction of your treasure, the direction of your hope and your joy and your satisfaction, right? The, the, the mission that you're on, the investment that you're making, that's where your heart is. He says, I know this about you. I've designed you to be like this, to follow that investment, to follow that self-interest. He says, that's, that's not a bad thing. I just need to redirect it. You are focused so much in the here and now and investing in the things of this world, the relationships or, or the, the, the accumulation, the properties, the assets. I mean, he says, I don't want you to fool yourself into thinking that that's where your heart needs to be. He says, your heart needs to be with the Lord. That's what worship is. It's saying, God, I want to give you all that I am and all that I have. I want to give you my heart. That's what we talked about last week. This idea that God wants our hearts in their entireties. He wants our undivided worship. He wants us to be people that look to him and say, you are worthy of everything that I am. And I want you to know that I need to just sit in that truth and I want people around me to see it. Right? I'm going to go to places, I'm going to worship God because they're not worshiping. And I want my life to be one that points other people towards that God who loves them, who saved them, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for them. Jesus Christ says, man, I want you to follow my lead. He says, I made an investment that matters. I gave all that I am for something that's eternal. When we look at the example of Jesus Christ, he gave everything he had for what? For a piece of land, for a job promotion, for an internship, for an organization? Or did he give it for something greater? Something better? Something more lasting? You see, when we look at this idea of reward in Scripture, eternal reward, eternal treasure, and then there's a lot of facets, there's a lot of elements. There's an idea of authority, and there's, there's talk of crowns. And, you know, I, I think that's part of it, is that there's eternal state where, where we, we reap reward and benefit in, in certain ways. And, and yet there's a lot of, the, you know, it's kind of muddy. Like, there, I think there's, there's a lot of facets that we don't fully understand. There's this idea of having approval of God looking at us saying, man, you've, you've done well. And, I mean, that, that's good too. But, but I'll tell you, there's one element, there's one piece of this treasure, there's one piece of this eternal reward that's crystal clear. That God has spelled out very clearly in his scripture. When Paul's looking at a church in Thessalonica, a church filled with people that he knows, that he loves, that he cares about, that he's praying for, that he's invested his life for. He says, this is the truth. He says, who, not what, who is my hope? Who is my joy? Who is my crown to boast of before our Lord Jesus at his coming? He says, you. It says, you are my reward. You are my treasure. You are my investment. He says, you are our glory and our joy. Jesus Christ gave his all, not for a thing, not for a position, not for a lifestyle. He gave everything he had, us, for people. God so loved the world that he gave his son. 
Christ died for us. He endured the cross. He endured the suffering. He, he remained obedient. Why? For the joy set before him, the joy of redeeming and reconciling all of humanity back to God the Father. Of creating a way, not a way, the way, of being the truth and the life. He says, I want you to give your heart to the Lord. He says, man, if you really want to give your heart to the Lord, if you really want to be united with him, you want that relationship to grow and to flourish, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the way that you're going to find towards to the Father. He says, I'm the, the name you got to call on. And if we call on his name, if we, we say, man, Jesus is my God, he died for me, I accept that forgiveness, then that's the point where we no longer stand under condemnation. That's the point where we suddenly find ourselves with the opportunity to be united with the Lord, to make investments in something that matters. That's when we find ourselves empowered to go and do likewise, to follow Jesus' great commission, to go and to make more followers of him to make disciples, to teach them what we've been taught, to tell them what we've been told, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to say, hey, you around me, you people, you're my glory. You're my joy. I'm not standing on this stage because of job security or a paycheck. Man, there, there are not a lot of perks to my job beyond the fact that I get to interact with you and I love it. You are my glory and you are my joy. I'm here because I want to invest in your lives. I want to see you see the truth that God loves you, and that he wants a relationship with you, and that he has a better purpose for your life than anything this world can offer. When God looks at us, he's not just He's not giving these commands. He's not pointing out these paths because he thinks it's funny, because he's on this power trip. It's because he knows this is ultimately what's best. He knows that ultimately satisfaction and joy and peace, contentment. He says, man, I know these things are going to be found in what I offer. That ultimately, if you're chasing after selfish personal gain in this world, it's just going to leave you anxious because what if it goes away? What if it gets taken from you? And you're going to be, you're going to be discontent because what if it's not enough? What if I need just a little bit more? What if I need to go on that one more trip or I need that one more promotion? I need that whatever it might be. And you're entering into a phase of life where so many of your peers are going to buy into that lie that there's some imaginary threshold in this world that you can cross where suddenly you're content, where suddenly you're at peace. And I'm telling you right now, it does not exist. It doesn't. Because I think on some level we know that it's just going to end. That it's just going to fail us. But God says, I'm not going to leave you. He says, I'm not going to fail you. And I want you to see, I want you to see my heart for the world, for the people around you, because I want you to have that heart. C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully when he says that there's no ordinary people, that you've never talked to them, you're mortal. Think about that. The, the nations and the cultures, the arts, the civilizations, the constructs around us, those are finite, right? Those do end. They, they rise and they fall. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, short-lived compared to the eternity that will exist. And yet it's immortals with whom we joke and work and marry and snub and exploit. It says, be mindful of the way that you interact with the people around you. Why? Because that's what ultimately matters. That's what's ultimately lasting. And when we see that investment, when we see that purpose, man, there's something 
beautiful and compelling in watching that hope placed in something so much better. Jamila and I live overseas full time, um, and that's just something I could never have thought about. And so one of the many ways that Grace has uh, been a part of my life is through challenging me to follow uh, in the footsteps of Jesus. And how it's possible that we're even in Greece is because of the support of our church. Um, you know, we raise our own salary, and it's because of Grace and the people in the church who came around us and said, we as a church, we want to send you. Um, as individuals and as as the church. I called a friend um, to ask you know, him to consider partnering with us and he was like, you know, um, no matter where I am financially, I always have this list of people that if they call, then I will, ma- I will fix things, I will work it out and I will give to them. He did that for us. He was like, I'll, you know, not watch Netflix this year and just give to you guys. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so convicting and so encouraging and all these things. When you go through things like that and you're receiving it, you realize you want to be that person for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to just take that blessing from the Lord and hoard it for yourself. You know, you want to, to pass that on. Grace has been uh, such a vital role in multiplication and mobilization in College Station. And so we're excited to see that um, happen. Uh, in Brian, we're, we're excited to see that happen uh, overseas. Um, we're excited to see that happen in other areas um, of Texas or even the United States. Uh, we, we cannot wait to see what the Lord is going to do through Grace Bible Church um, on, a grander, on a grander scale. Count Jamila Cox are former college staffers here at Grace that are overseas in the nation of Greece. And they're there to share the gospel. They're there to turn a, a, a culture that, that is very, um, very confused, very conflicted about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to, to really follow Jesus Christ. I mean, they, they are having, um, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle to share the good news of what Jesus has done, of who he is and what he's done to those people. But I'll tell you, when they go, when, when I saw them leave about a year ago and they, they, they were headed that way and they were, they were excited and they were, they, were, they were pumped and they were thinking through me and how, how, where are we going? Like, how's this going to work? And, and I'll tell you, through that process, it was, as Chamilla kind of described about the supporters that they found, the supporters that they, they gathered around them in prayer and in, in, in giving financially, they, they, man, they were like, man, this is convicting and it's encouraging kind of all at the same time. And, and uh, when we look at lives that are really invested for the sake of Christ, when we look at lives, people that are spending their time and their energy and their resources to really further the gospel, wherever that might be, I mean, it's something that should be encouraging and convicting. We see that movement and we say, yeah, that's, that's, that's where life is found. Not necessarily always vocationally going overseas, but, but living a life wherever it is, sold out for the gospel. Saying, hey, my ultimate goal, my ultimate purpose is not to amass this wealth. It's not to get this position. It's not to thrive in these certain ways, to go on those vacations, to have this white picket fence for my family in a house that's this size. Our ultimate goal is to see the name of God glorified and worshiped. Our ultimate goal is to move to that day when every knee is going to bow. And every time he's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. He doesn't need us in this process, but he wants us to be a part of this ministry, to be a part of this mission. And so if you were with us last week, you'll, you know that man, in this season, we're kind of stepping into this new season over the course of, of the month of April, over the next five weeks, we, we're, we're moving towards this kind of unified vision of every need. 
And we had books last week. If, if you weren't here last week or uh, if you're a parent, you're visiting, I would love. We have all these handy-dandy books at the back of the room as you leave that you can grab um, that, that talk about, I mean, where are we headed as a church? What are, what are we doing with our, with our time and our energy, our talents? What are we, where are we investing our treasure? Right? Where, are we, where are we going as a church body? And when our pastor, our lead pastors is our elder board, the, the ultimate authority of our church, as they were praying and seeking the Lord and, and trying to gain vision for where we're headed, I mean, they landed on an ambitious goal. They said, hey, we're, we're going to continue to reach our local area. We're going to establish, over the next couple of years, we want to establish our third site. Right now, they're meeting in a temporary place in an elementary school. They're like, man, let's, let's bake something permanent. Let, let's, let's establish something. Let's put down deeper roots in South College Station, where there's this incredibly high projected growth rate of families and young professionals who are moving to our town that need to hear the gospel. They need to be served by a local church. In that South Tampa, there's just, there's not a lot down there. We're also looking, we're saying not just, you know, this third site, but we're also looking, man, what's, what's the next place? What's our fourth local campus going to look like? Where's it going to be? How's that going to play out? We, we're, we're, there's options on the table. And they're looking, man, there are areas that are growing again. There's people moving in that need to be reached. So this vision, this, man, we, we want to reach the local people that God's put right in front of us. But the reality is that there's a lot of other people around our world, around our nation, that, that need to hear the gospel, need to be served by a church, that maybe would be, uh, it would be helpful if they had this kind of student-family-mixed uh, strategy mindset in their church. And so we're looking, man, what, what's a college town elsewhere in, in the United States that we can plant? Over the next couple of years, we're going to identify, we're going to move towards starting that first national domestic church plant. We're also in those two years going to look at what's our first international church plant at different college towns that, that we've been already going to and sending people towards, but, but, but it's such a temporary nature. Where can we go and really put down some roots, partner with local bodies, and, and, and create a church that merges the families and the students together for the sake of the gospel? Where is that going to be? Man, this is the vision that's been put in front of our church to begin this process of, of increasing the name, not of Grace Bible Church, not the name of, of, of our individual members, our congregation, or our leaders. How do we increase the name of Jesus Christ? The number one goal over this season is not for us to just all buy in to this vision, to this journey. The goal is that for everyone would, would buy into the call, the vision that God's put on your individual life, to be sold out for him to give more of who you are and what you have for the cause of Christ. For some of us, you know, part of that's going to be here, but the reality is a lot of you are going to be gone. Within five years, pretty much all of you are gone. So where are you investing next? What does that look like for you? That's the goal of every knee, is to see heart change in our people, that we would recognize that God's worthy of our worship for all of our lives, every place we go. So when we gather here, yeah, this is, a, this is a part of it, right? This is a snapshot of Grace Bible Church in this local place. And if you're part of the body of Christ here at Grace, if this is your church home, then I'm excited that, that we're moving to a point on the first Sunday of May, May 6th, we're going to be joined together with our family service. We're going to combine, and we're going to kind of hear what God's been doing through this process. We're going to see how God's moved our congregation into this kind of new season. And we're going to look at, man, are we reaching these goals? We're asking our, our members to consider, man, what are you going to commit to this, this movement over the next two years? It's, it's a high cost, time, energy, and money. 
And so we're asking our members to say, hey, let the Lord speak through you to our leadership, to our elder board. They set this goal, a hefty goal, $32 million over the next two years to just keep our running, our normal operational budget, and then to, to plant those, the third and fourth site locally, to plant those national and international places, those churches. We're saying, man, we, we want to move towards that. And if the body speaks and they say, hey, here's, you know, we've committed, we're, we're on board and we're right at that, that number, then we're like, great, we, we, we've heard the call from the Lord, like we're on the right track, awesome. If it's under that, then our leaders say, okay, we're going back to the Lord because <laughs> we missed something. We misinterpreted something like we need to move in a different direction. He's calling us to something different. He's redirecting our path from what we thought it was. But honestly, I would not be shocked at all if the number is higher. And God looks at us and he says, you're not dreaming big enough. There's more work to be done. There's more people to be reached. There's a greater harvest out there that needs to be brought in. But we want to hear from the Lord through our body in that moment. And we want all of us to be committed to being praying, prayerful before the Lord, going to him, asking, God, show me not just where my place is in this movement of the next two years, but God, where am I going four years from now, six years from now, 10 years from now? How am I investing my time, my resources, my, my, my thought, my energy? Who are the people that are around me right now that are worthy of my investment, that need to hear the gospel. So if you would join me in praying to the Lord that he'd reveal those people to us right now. God, we, we thank you that you've given us, Lord, just this, this high calling, Lord, this, this almost intimidating mission, Lord, to, to go and to, to make disciples. But Lord, we thank you that you have promised that you're with us every step of the way, that God, your spirit is empowering us and enabling us, that, that he is strong in our weakness, that he's wise in our foolishness, that he'll illuminate our path, that God, he'll bring those people to the forefront of our minds, those eternal souls who's, who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died and rose for them. So if you would take a moment right now and just pray, ask God, Lord, bring that person to my mind. Lord, show me, where is it? Who is it that I could be investing in tomorrow? God, that coworker, that family member, that neighbor, God, that relationship that I can build or that conversation I can have where I present the truth that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. God, show me who is that person. And then, Lord, empower my steps. Lord, move me into that moment towards that person to bring life. So if you would pray that, ask that God would bring that person to your mind right now.